Coming up on another mini episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, I am once again joined by Antonis Pigonis and Matt Olsen, same team from last week, and we are going to take you through the Wanderers' 2-0 victory over the Newcastle Jets last night. All the key talking points out of that game, the Wanderers looking pretty good under Marco Rudin in this new season so far. Newcastle with not one of their finest displays under Arthur Pappas either. So we're going to take you through that one and uh, take you through some of the key performances that we identified in that game as well. And then the bigger news earlier from yesterday, Bruno Fornaroli's mutual departure from Perth Glory, a massive story that broke yesterday in in the A-League men. And uh, it's obviously been an ongoing saga for a few weeks now, but uh, it's finally come to its head and uh, its conclusion. But uh, all the fallout from that, and uh, obviously there has been some links already with with a few clubs, uh, Melbourne Victory and Western United have been have been rumoured to be in for a signature. But we're particularly going to get Matt Olson's view, our uh, WA correspondent, on on the situation, and uh, you can listen to that coming up. Uh, but anyway. Nice little mini podcast for you uh, on your uh, Saturday morning, if you're tuning in on a Saturday morning. And uh, yeah, I am your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to another Front Page Football Mini Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and joining me again tonight for another mini podcast. It looks like this is becoming the Friday night dream team here at Front Page Football. We've got Matt Olsen and Antonis Pagonas to analyze another game, Friday night game, in the A-League men. Boys, how how are we this evening and uh, how are we feeling after that game? Yeah, well, I, I, I can start by saying that it was probably a better game than what we saw the last two weeks. So there's, there's your positive. Hmm. Um, as for how I'm feeling, look, I'm, I'm good. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's not a very high bar to achieve, is it? But we'll go into it. But yeah, hopefully remains a mini podcast today and doesn't yeah. go any longer than that. <laughs> yeah, fucking 37 minutes last week. <laughs> Half an hour max, boys. All right, so let's just, let's just try and keep to that. Okay, all right. Anyway, moving on. Um, Western Sydney Wanderers defeating Newcastle Jets 2-0. Uh, the goals from Roman Amalfitano and Brandon Borello. Um, so I guess I'll just start with my my thoughts on this game. First half, pretty poor. I think we can we can all kind of agree on. I think it was a bit of a the Wanderers was very clear what they were doing. They they know what Newcastle want to do. They know Newcastle want to play out. They want to dominate possession, and that really suits Rudin's tactics. So I think that kind of went hand in hand very well for them. And they just waited for most of that first half. They had good counterattacking moments. I think Ninkovic was very very good and was very crucial in opening up the spaces in that Newcastle defense. Um, but I think with I just felt this was. Uh, I've seen a lot of people already, you know, give a lot of praise to the Wanderers and stuff, but this felt really more like a Newcastle losing this game by just really being so passive and so just there was no ideas really going forward and the personnel, the way it was operating. I, I don't think what the team was selected that was that was wrong, but I just think the way it was operating and it was set up just seemed very very awkward and not really uh, geared to finding space and exploiting uh, that Wanderers defense. 
your analysis is, is spot on, if I, if I can be honest. Um, well, I know that, the, so, 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 the, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, particularly, listen, just particularly... Nothing better than an arrogant of, podcast host, anyway. Well, you're always arrogant. Um, oh, there's nothing the better. Fuck? What the hell? <laughs> um, football game, Christian, football game. Um, football game. Listen, I, I just think that from the perspective of the two sides, and, and again, without looking at the bigger picture, right? You, you have a Newcastle side that is probably a little bit over, overhyped and overrated. And tonight you've seen one of their, their bad nights and understood the, the reason why. From the Wanderers' perspective, look, I think it was measured in clinical and you can't mm. knock a 2-0 win that much. But at the same time, um, you know, if, if they were so measured and they were so clinical, they would have scored a goal earlier than they did. And they, they would have opened the game up straight off the bat if they were really that, that good side that people say they can be. So... Um, from 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 the perspective of where Rudin's Wanderers are heading, though, it's a, it's a great result. It's a good night um, from Newcastle. Look, this is why they struggled with with all their flair last season. Pappas Bowl, there's still a lot of um, you know kinks to iron out, and we're, we're seeing that in in progress. So both so sides he, with a lot to, to he, look at. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry to cut you off. Here's my thing with you know <clears throat> uh, Pappas Ball, right? Um, which I I really I think Arthur Pappas is a good coach. I really like what he wants to do with his teams. And, you know, we all know he worked with Postacoglu and stuff, and he's very much from that from that wave of thinking. But my issue with Newcastle going into this season is, and I said it last year, was, look, they're going to struggle in his first year because he's got to get his ideas across. It takes time with what he wants to do. But then you go and completely rip up the squad and bring in, like, a whole bunch of new people. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, how is that going to now transfer going to this season? Now, I don't want to get too out of control here because... At, you know, when we look at it, they've actually started okay. They won the first two games and then they may be beaten just by a better team tonight. You could also say that. So not going to get too out of hand, but to your point, Matt, tonight was a good example of that's that's where they're going to get found out this year. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to be a contender, but perhaps they're not going to be, you know, uh, outside the six or, or, you know, in the kind of bottom tier like they were last year either. So, you know, they're going to be ups and downs. And tonight we saw really, really, Big down, in my opinion, in that yeah. performance. Antonis, yeah. yeah. So picking up what you were saying about how Newcastle wants to play the game, we talk about Pappas Bowl, how they want to have the ball, how they want to attack with the ball. But looking at their lineup and those moves they made in the offseason, bringing in Trent Bahaja and bringing Josh Soterio, they are both players who are real threats on the counter. And the Wanderers won't give you that. They're very similar to Western United last year, how... They sit back, they allow you to have the ball. They'll live with giving you chances because they back their defense. And like you said, they go forward, cautious, but they back themselves to get a goal. And it's exactly what's happened at the start of the season, what's happened today. They won't allow you to have that counterattack and you'll see players like Soterio and Bahaja struggle when their team dominates the ball. One chance in our first half, and we mentioned that it was that uh, Bahaja cross to Soterio, I think it was, a very tame header. And that was their only chance at half. Wanderers go up 1-0. And those guys are anonymous in the second half. Because the Wanderers, mm. like I said, will allow you to have the ball. And they're just not very effective when that happens. So I think um, with, with Newcastle, the, the lineup, just to touch on your point there, was, was just interesting because the thing that I'm, I think we're all maybe identifying with the Wanderers is that they're very solid defensively and one of the well the two reasons because of that is because they've got two twin tower defenders who are very clever as well in Marcella and Marcelo who 
you know, if you're going to play direct against them, well, good luck because, you know, they're going to sweep those balls and that's that's easy for them. And Marcelo is actually very good noticing that tonight at sweeping in behind his fullbacks, in particular, particularly Traore down that left-hand side. He'll come across and he'll deal with everything. So you have to be able to stretch those two defenders in, in some capacity, right? So I, I remember just seeing in a brief moment in the first half where they actually got Satira in a central position. Then they had Piscopo and Dartsmelia in between the lines as well. But because Sotiro was central and he was on the last line, you know, it gave Marcelo and Marcello, sorry, something to think about, right? But that was probably the only occasion I saw that in this game. Newcastle, they wanted everything basically to feed. They wanted everything in between the lines and no one was making runs to stretch that defense in behind. And it was very, yeah, I just thought it was very strange. Um, and then uh, Becker come on at halftime, which I thought was a necessary substitution. But then they didn't play him the ball. In the second half, I, I, honestly, the amount of times he dropped off the line and he was in midfield and it was like, like I'm literally in acres of space and I could see him actually actioning, you know, with his hands, say, give me the ball. And uh, and they just they just didn't play him. And they kind of resorted to getting the ball into the wide areas uh, and turning us a little bit of Carl Viet ball in the second half and, and just crossing it. And they, I mean, they almost scored from that one chance, of course, with um with Piscopo. But yeah, you know, it was, it, it was, it was just, they didn't, um, they just didn't, yeah, uh, speaking yeah, of yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know if you remember last year, Western United against Adelaide United, yeah. where Adelaide United basically tried to do that for 90 minutes, just cross the ball, and with Leo Lacroix and Tomoki Ima in the middle, it just didn't work against sides like the Wanderers. And I'll go back to Western United as well, because who was coaching Western United before Aloisi came in? Marco Rudan. It's the well, you know what's interesting, Antonis. Interesting that you mentioned that because uh, as you were talking before about this Wanderers setup, you know, with Ninkovic now in there, this is, it's almost like it's kind of mirroring the Diamante, mm-hmm. you know, be solid defensively. Then we'll have this creative 10 and this sort of thing as well. But yes, as you were yeah. saying. It's exactly, it's that setup. It's his sides are tough to break down and it works in this competition because there are a lot of sides, like we said before with United, that are cautious. They're happy to go wide and cross it and hope for some chaos and hope for the best. Chaos, though, unfortunately, is not a strategy. You know, and we talk about these sides, how uh, it's not great that they set up that way. It's their right to set up that way, but you have to go out and you have to beat them. Mm. And Western United showed last year that sides would not do that a lot of the times. Now the Wanderers are trying it. So if sides want to have some success, they're going to have to go out and push them. There's still a new side with a lot of new faces. They, they can be broken down, but you actually need sides to go out there and be proactive, want to play. And we just didn't see that from the Jets too much now, which is a shame because really that's what we've come to expect of them the last year or so. Yeah, with absolutely. Varying degrees of success, yeah, Matt, yeah. With, with varying degrees of success. I don't think we can look at Newcastle and say that they're going to be a really big threat. And I, I think if I'm, I'm to reflect on both of these teams with where they're at, I think I'm just going to put both of their positions right now down to trust issues. Look, statistically speaking, when we talk about the the intricate details of how they're playing their football, of course, Marco Rudan's Wanderers look incredible. But, I, you know, we obviously have to reserve judgment. I'm not necessarily saying that because it's round four even. I'm just saying it because because both sides in particular have had a, a knack of, of really letting consistency get the better of them. Um, you know, Marcus Babbles, Western Sydney Wanderers, started out three from three in, in 1920, right? So there's potential for for Rudan to slip up. I, th- I think that the, the comparison with Western United works really well at the moment. 
but there's going to be times where it's exposed as well. Um, and so, you know, I, I, again, I just, I'm, I'm struggling to really buy into that right now, statistically. And, and, and again, you know, tactically the way they play their football, of course, of course, you're going to want to make that comparison, but. Um, well, you know, to, to your point around the, not overreacting the, now, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how many people have said that. I, I saw a couple of tweets already, but some people are suggesting Brandon Brello is a late bolter for the Socceroos, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, um, personally, like, look, he's looked great. That's that's, that's uh, but, a league yeah. fan of my Borello in particular played really well tonight, right? Yeah, he had, he had, a, he yeah. had a decent he had a decent setup from from from, from the guys around him as well. When the Jets couldn't penetrate that 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 defensive line, and then you've got you've got Minkovic quietly going about his business, mm. setting up you know really well. Their their ball movement on the wings as well was was really good from the Wanderers. So I mean, yeah, of course that's that's prime real estate for Borello to have the game of his life, and then what all of a sudden he's a soccer is ball through. I just want the World Cup to happen so much already because it feels like it every Australian, talk. every Australian that yeah. takes two right steps. And is within like a few kilometers of Graham Arnold. It's just a bolt to something. No, I tell you, I tell, no, I tell no. you, he's got a fucking better case for the Socceroos right now. Who I actually, I, I, I freaking love this guy at the moment. Honestly, he might be my favorite player to watch in the A League. I did tweet about it during the game. Callum Newanoff is just fucking unbelievable at the moment. I'm not even kidding. You have to wonder. You seriously game. have to wonder why Cork has let him go. Hey, because well, because I saw times so, where yeah. When, yeah, the like, argument, when they started yeah. to look, when they started to look really bad last season. He was he was the one that was actually doing you know doing doing some good things for them, mm. um, and it you know I don't forget no don't don't worry about it. What I was I was gonna say? Did, who did they recruit? In, well, in so obviously Bratton's basically been a new signing, right? Because he's coming back from a massive he's injury. Come back from injury. Yeah. So okay. yeah, there's that. So obviously the Bratton place, I understand, but you you're telling me like you telling me that he's maybe not better than Patrick Gasbeck or can't challenge Patrick Gasbeck for that second six role next to Bratton if you if you put him in that Sydney team, I, I think for sure. But um, look, the other thing to yeah. keep in mind as well is I don't think the Wanderers were planning on him playing that role. No, at least no, not yet because. Yeah. Oli Vazanic hasn't played a minute yet. And yeah. I reckon when he is yeah. back and fit, he will have some trouble upstaging um, Neuenhoff because he has been superb. But once again, it's... Yeah, no, you're saying... No, no, yeah. you're saying Vazanic will struggle to get in the team because that's what uh, I think. Yeah, well. I reckon yeah. he'll struggle to get in yeah. the team. But if the season started with Vazanic on the pitch, we Neuenhoff doesn't have these performances. So it's not like the Wanderers have recruited to make him a centerpiece. He's just... Found a good it's a, place, it's a, a good, good headache time. to have. It's a great headache to have, but yeah, it's. I don't think Sydney, I think Wanderers swooped in and saw a talented youngster who has taken them by surprise as well. And now, a actual or former, currently former soccer, I guess, will have a tough time getting back to the side because he's been spectacular. Mm. Bazanic, mind you, Bazanic, I think, probably has the right to jump straight into the starting 11. I mean, when you when you think about when that when that guy has played in the right environment. I mean, what he did with the Mariners in 2021, you know, that was that was a complete shock, and, and he was probably one of their best players, if not if not their best mm. player in, in midfield for, for the entire season. He ended up finishing third on third on the ladder, right? So if the Wanderers keep going with this momentum and keep being the side that we we always say they'll be, but they they never are, Bazanic's probably you know a big rock in midfield for them, as is Nikovic, you know, Nuenhoff if if he's if he's able to to play out of position, even I mean. There's a lot of promise there, right? Um, oh no, the, the I, honestly, things... I, I'm, I'm, fuck, I, I'm trying not to overreact, but I'm sold on this kid. I reckon he's like, no, playing... no just, nah, it's the wondrous trust issues. It's the, it's the, <laughs> gonna be the title of this podcast. No, 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 no. Okay, all right, no, no. I'll, get, I'll sides... get a couple of weeks more for sure. I'm just saying yeah. that 
there, there were there were times in this game, like in the first half, where you're watching it. And I actually almost thought of, uh, I was saying like, because Amalfitano was kind of playing as a kind of second six as well, but he was kind of yeah. as an eight and playing a little bit more advanced at times as well. But I was almost thinking, look, Nuanoff is controlling this game so well. If I'm rooting, I could even like, if I really need a goal, play Nuanoff as one six by himself, release Amalfitano a little bit further forward, and then maybe just kind of, you know, open the game up a little bit like that. But I agree with you, yeah, let's not overreact too much. Let's give it a little bit of time. But some of the things this guy's doing, it's not just, and it's not just, you know, yeah, he can turn on the ball and he can play a part. No, no, it's not just that, right? That that the first goal, okay, that doesn't happen without him. Yeah, okay, Ninkovic, great ball to slip him in. Absolutely, he timed it superbly. But Nuanov starts the action. You know, yes. you need a no, player no, no, who exactly. actually is going to initiate something, right? And he's going to actually say, hey, like, fuck, it's been like forty minutes and we've created f all. So yeah, no, I'm actually exactly. going it was, to it was good presence of mind. The, yeah. the ball in the ball into Ninkovic as well. There was a good there was a good amount of risk on it because he had he had mm. someone on him. But he's he's obviously you know he's he's taken the touch and the vision. I mean, there was a, there was a part where he's he's just sort of come past him and he's just pulled his arm out. I don't know if it was a signal or if it was like why the fuck aren't you passing the ball to me? But you see Nuanov mm. go out with his right arm, peach of a ball straight through to him. It's an, it's unfortunate that it's hit the post, um, considering how close he actually was. But it actually, would have been a lovely finisher that just crept inside. Oh, oh um, yeah, to be yeah. honest, yeah. Um, it was it was a bit of a it was quite weird the way he struck the ball as well, sort of with the outside foot. Um, but I, I noticed that the, the the really positive thing you can say about the Wanderers in that scenario is uh, they've they've stayed completely composed. They've gone, oh, well, okay, the, 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 you know, we're not we're not scoring, um, the, but we've hit the post a few times here. We've created the chance. We're going to get numbers behind the ball. We're going to we're going to shift and do the right thing, and it's it's paid off for them really well, right? So mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting that, that that their midfield almost seems quite stacked in retrospect, considering mm. that um, really, you know, when you when you've looked at the squad at paper, I think it's one that's probably gone under the radar as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that I think the depth is a little bit um, underrated, to be honest. We yeah, had we had obviously exactly, the boys on exactly. our last podcast. We had the boys from RBTV, and and they suggested that it is a little bit thin. But I I, I don't know. I had a closer look at it, and I don't think it's that bad. Um, mm. But with yeah. By the way, just just for anyone listening, I'm I, I'm not actually saying that Nuanov should fucking go to the World Cup. By the way, I was literally just making a comparison with the Brillo thing. Anyway, um, yes, uh, and, and I think Tonis, with, yeah. the, with the Wanderers, I think we talk about them going under the radar and their squad. I think it's because it feels like every year they turn over at least half that squad. You just mm. live with it, and then I think this is the first time in about half a decade we're actually seeing this squad do something, and it's not. You can feel like. It may be a little bit more than a flash in the pan. And I, like you mentioned, it's still very early, but at least you can see some promise there that even if it does fall off offensively, mm. at least they're not so self-destructive when someone attacks them. At least they can hold up as a solid unit, yeah. which has not been the case in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think one big thing that they've got at the moment is they do seem to have bigger personalities who aren't going to let who hopefully for their sake aren't going to let games get away from them. You know, Marcelo, Amalfitano, um, Ninkovic, these types of guys who have kind of been there and done that. The other thing with them that I, I definitely did want to touch on, and particularly Antonis because you're here, is this Yengi kerpich oh. situation. Because the thing is, look, I don't think, I think, look, Yengi is not a winger. I, I really don't think he, he is He is a nine, right? But mm. Uh, here's the defense I would say about him playing out wide is that there are moments and you saw in this game where he can get on the he can get on the ball in 1v1 scenarios and he looks dangerous. The thing is, 
and about Yenge, and this is not his fault, is that he is he is a little bit uncoordinated, right? When he runs with the ball, he has got this kind of ability to. Um, I don't know. It's it's almost like his legs are sometimes too long, right? And it's almost like he kind of just gets tangled up a, a, a bit, right? And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But he has these great moments where he'll drive it. He'll drive at the fullback like he did tonight um, in in Jenkinson, and he'll cut inside. And then it's kind of like it's almost like everything just closes up for him. And then you know the shot gets blocked or whatever. Whereas if he's doing that inside the box and he can just create a yard and just shoot, you know, I don't know. It's I don't know, Antonis, you know, yeah. feel free he's to got, kind of Yeah, he's go got on, defenders yeah. worried on that side. We've seen it. Mm. I remember with Lee Broxham a couple of weeks ago, he was just playing games with him. And yeah, yeah. He can cause problems out there. Now imagine causing those problems in the middle. We talk about how the Jets are sometimes their own worst enemy at the back. Could you imagine him trying to disrupt that centre-back partnership? He could cause some real problems mm. up there up front. Like you said, he could just go and run at them direct. He can bring the ball down for other players. He, that we complain that we don't create good strikers anymore and we've got like an up-and-coming striker and he's playing on the wing for um, Suleiman Kerpic to be accommodated who he scored a couple of goals but personally I haven't been impressed so yeah, far I to be honest with you. I, think, I think all three of us are, are, are yeah. actually quite adamant in our, in our um, yeah, you know, that's Kervich. fine it's that's fine thing, he might yeah. be good he might end up playing well eventually but for me if I was Marco Rudan, what I'd do is play Cusini Yengi essentially, mm-hmm. and I play Remy Nazarene out on the left, who I think mm. can really, really create. And then, of course, there spark. is, of course, Yeni, Yeni and Bakoto who's yeah. got to come back in. Though. Oh, yeah. when he comes back. But Remy Nazarene was a real spark in some really, mm. really average sides throughout his young career so far. So playing in a side like this, which I think is set up for him, that they won't have much of the ball, but when they do, he'll be able to use it on the counter. And he only needs a couple of moments of brilliance to turn the match on its head with some really explosive attacking players. I think he could shine on the left on that team, especially with Cassini up front. But, you know, they haven't lost. They've looked very, very assured in what they're doing. And Rudan's probably not going to change anything yet because he doesn't need to change anything yet, does he? Well, that's right. And here's Cassini, the thing Cassini Yangi did, yeah, did miss. It's a golden chance to make it three. Let's not forget that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. it's you have to take into consideration that after playing the whole game on the left, a few moments of confidence. He was shot throughout the game. He mm. was struggling in the first half. He was slowly getting it together in the second half. Fatigue as well. There's many, many different things. I'm I'd wondering like to if see start. I'm just wondering from a red end perspective if there's a plan to get Yengi to uh, sort of pivot. Stay on the stay on the pitch for the full ninety. Pivot into the nine mm-hmm. once Kerpich comes off. And then... you see that you saw that throughout mm-hmm. the game that sometimes, and I don't know if it's an instruction or if it's just a striker being a striker that he just tends to slightly ghost towards the middle. And mm-hmm. I think some of his bigger chances came in those mm-hmm. moments where he kind of had strayed centrally and he could drive at those players. Well, I think yeah. I think there's a couple of things as well from a tactical point of view. Is Adama Traore is not... Oh, I thought it was very good tonight, actually, to be honest. But I, he's not the electric fullback that he once was who's going to really be high and wide when you're, when you're attacking either as well. And particularly when they're playing more of a counter-attacking style, your fullbacks are going to start from a really deeper position as well. So yeah. what that means is... And, and I kind of agree... Matt, what you're saying around um, the Yengi pivoting to maybe striker when Kerpich comes off. But there's actually moments, and even watching tonight, where... Yankee's starting position can be closer to Kerpich and they're almost in a in a two striker system at times if if they can get that kind of thing right. 
But the problem is, is in a scenario like that, you need a, a left back who's actually going to be providing that width then on that side. Exactly. And I don't yeah. think they could get that from the dumb Traore, right? You know, so, you know, you know who it reminds me of. Um, he's playing in the Eredivisie now for Utrecht, but Josh Rawlins. It was the one thing Josh Rawlins excelled with really well at Perth. Hmm. He was he was able to get forward from starting at right back most of the time, and uh, he'd, he'd put in put in put in balls really good as a as an out out winger. So you need yeah. that you need that uh, rotation yeah. in a formation where you're going to have you know the the pivot up front. Yeah, and on Kerpich as well, I, I haven't been impressed with him either. But as in terms of saying, look, he's he scored the goals so far, and he is the kind of foreign signing at the like you know you have to you can't just kind of drop him and take him out if he's kind of got the cv and the and the goals to back it up at the moment so that's what rudin will probably be looking at and he will say look you know until until he really falls off a cliff or anything like that i'm probably just going to keep trusting him so you know the first, and, goal, mm. the first goal that he did score was very fluky and i'm not just saying that because we conceded it i'm saying like it was it was a terrible goal yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, and, the, <laughs> and the second one brisbane just forgot yeah, yeah, what no, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, you have to be there. You have to score them, and he has, and they've been winning. So you know, he's ticking boxes. Think, can you can you just think back a few seasons to when we've said that about players and how that that has actually transitioned and panned I, out? I'm I sorry, agree. I, don't, I, don't I agree. It. No, I I am fully with you. <laughs> if it was me, like I told you, I'd be starting Cassini Yangi up front and have Rami Nazarene on the left. Mm-hmm. And when Yangi and uh, Yangi and Gaboto came back. I will figure out the problem. Basically, basically, if Antonis was managing an A-League club, you'd say, forget about your five visa signings, right? I'm just playing a bunch of young <laughs> well, Australian no, kids well, and that's no, how we're going to do this. No, it's not just that though. But when you bring in these players and it really, really upsets me, you bring in these players, first of all, you need to be looking at where you need those players. Now, if you're bringing in a young star Australian striker, do you really need to bring in a Bosnian striker who we well, don't yeah. know much about on, mm. you know, on... Good money that you he's going to make you. Yeah, here's him, what I would say, yeah, right? say. Here's what I would say. Yangi is still so Yangi's always for me, he's at question marks over fitness all the time. Okay, so there is mm-hmm. that. But he's in this weird tier where he's not he's not like this young in this category of young player coming up who's gonna accept minutes off the bench, right? Because I think he's too good for that. But then he's not like he has to start every week either. Yeah, so exactly. he's like in this yeah. new no, no, category. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I, he's yeah. a bit too weak of an option to be starting as the out and out nine for a team yeah. that has ambitions of being safely in the top six. And is under I, pressure to I, they have yeah, to make finals. Yeah, absolutely exactly, agree. Yeah. But then we're at the spot now that we're playing him out of position. And mm. is this really what we're going to be doing with our next generation of players yeah, that but, we rate high? Hold on, this is w- the Tilio conversation again. Yeah. yeah, this is the Tilio conversation again. Their own yeah. personal development means fuck older coaches. They care about yeah. getting the club. They care about getting the club to, to where it needs to be. It's not... Uh, that's fine, though, but there's a, there's a way you can do that. And for me, and I'm not saying Yengi is that player as well. I've, I gave the example of Adelaide with Louis Dorigo, who when he came into the league, he was the best young six in the league. And in the next season, Adelaide signed two mid-30 Spaniards in his position. For me, if you have, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying Yengi is that player. If you have an up-and-coming player that you're like, I really rate this guy highly, surely, I'm not saying clear the pathway for him, but at least give him a chance to actually prove that they are the guy for this team instead of putting roadblocks in their way, that even though they may be able to surpass on the pitch, they're just their paychecks do not justify starting. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. That's that's the conversation about Kerpich, but keeping keeping a clear mind on on Yangi and his personal development where he should be in the team. What what if what if it's a case of Kerpich comes off 
50, 60 minutes into a game, and then you get Yankee playing as a nine, but he's not playing for the nine as the full nine for the full ninety, and he still contributed to the course throughout. That's that's good. That's good for oh, his yeah. personal development yeah, in two ways. Absolutely. Yeah, positions. yeah. No, I think I think I think uh, what Antonis might be might be saying here is that that's not that is a viable option for sure, but potentially this whole situation could have been avoided if maybe the Wanderers maybe had a clearer idea of what they were doing with that position and they just kind of signed Kerpich and they didn't sign Yangi or, or whatever. Who knows? Um, it's just more of a general point because it's, I wish it was only the Wanderers that were doing those things. And then yeah. it goes with, same thing with Callum Neuenhoff and it's great seeing him get minutes, but I'm, like we said, if Oli Bozanic is fit and playing, he doesn't have that same, yeah. I guess, opportunity. And it's great that he got and sometimes you just need that spark of luck and he's got it now and he's got the performances to back himself. But I, ju- I would just like, not just the Wanderers, in general, the league to be a bit more purposeful with its visa spots because you only get five of them. Use them purposefully. Don't just get the first agent, I guess, that calls you and you're like, oh, yeah, his highlights look all right. His CV looks all right. Let's bring him on board. Be a bit more purposeful with those spots. Anyway, this leads us nicely into... So we're going to end the discussion there on the, on the Wanderers-Newcastle game. And this leads us really nicely into this in this next discussion. Very brief uh, discussion we're going to have about Bruno Fornaroli, whose who's, uh, t- contract has been mutually terminated today by Perth Glory after um, a host of controversies, really, uh, in recent weeks, uh, including not being named in the match day squad for two straight weeks. And and uh, he's, of course, taken to social media to say that he was fit for the game last week and was not played. Uh, and anyway, what I was saying, this led on nicely because we were just talking about Cassini Yengi. And um, yeah, Perth need a striker, Matt. So um, maybe if uh, his minutes do come reduced at uh, the Wanderers, um, you know, not maybe happening. we'll just move, move cross west. <laughs> not happening. Christian, uh, they have one. You what? They have one. His name is Ben Azabel. I know his name is Ben Azabel, but I don't yeah. know. It's just, right. Actually, so, yeah, he'd just so be moving, he'd just be moving into the same situation, which wouldn't you? you clearly <laughs> haven't. Perth <laughs> set up in a 4 one one Yeah? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. So, <laughs> so we don't need a striker. But but thank you. Uh, look, it's just I know. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, okay, okay. I forgot about Azubel. All right, and it led really nicely from the last point, kind of. It, it didn't, but it kind of did. But anyway, let's get into it because this is a big controversy at the moment. <laughs> a big a big controversy for a mini pod. That's right. Well, I know, but we're gonna try and do it in ten minutes. Fuck. Um, and Matt, just from a from a Perth perspective. Um, what are you reading to the scenario? What, what's happened here? We understand um, it's been widely reported that there has been a bit of a, a contract uh, issue in regards to that in, in terms that Perth uh, potentially don't want to ex- didn't want to extend his contract and he had a goals clause that if he met that, you know, he, his contract would have been extended and all this sort of stuff around his contract. Um, what's, what's your take on this? Uh, we, we, can, we can very clearly just start by saying that the clause in itself was was pretty stupid and pretty daft in how it was it was um sort of constructed um i think when you're when you're a club that that is clearly financially uh you know not not in the best place why are you putting these ridiculous clauses in a, in a in a marquee player's contract for, mm. for starters so i think you can you can solely put the blame on, on that clause um but more so from the perspective of of the individuals that are involved you know it's hard to actually say who is directly involved for that kind of thing um unless you're unless you're very intimate with the ongoing of 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 the football club which you know 
I'm I'm not. <laughs> but you know, I think what you, what you can't do is you can't look at this and say Perth Glory are in turmoil. You can't look at this and say that Perth Glory are, are rooted to the bottom of the ladder and they're a farcical club and, and whatever else. Look, obviously, it's been very well reported that that Perth Glory and and, and Brisbane as well are having some serious serious issues at the moment and and this is adding insult to injury in very many ways for the team but i think it's it's impact on perth at this particular moment in time is overblown i also just want to point out that that bruno bruno himself is not completely innocent right like Mm. he's he's had and it's been you know there's been there's been murmurs of of the way he ended it with warren joyce at melbourne city as well Mm. right like that was not a one-way street of Warren Joyce and Melbourne City as an organization treating him completely poorly. What's to say that this isn't exactly the same thing? You know, it 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 goes both ways. And I think that that there is a, a part to blame for Bruno, but I will say this: in no way can you defend Perth Glory for what they've done because they've tried to they've tried to hide it. They've tried to be really, really awkward about the whole thing. I mean blaming it on some kind of injury that clearly didn't exist for what, what, what were they going to do? They were going to report on that for two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden he's gone. Like, come on. There yeah, so is, this there is very similar. This is very similar. Organization um, to, yeah, to yeah, deal yeah. with that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of similar for, for, for those listening who, who follow, you know, uh, Champions League and European football, there was a situation uh, <sighs> with, with, uh, <laughs> man. It comes to Euro snob stuff. Um, but the situation with Antoine Griezmann at Atletico Madrid um, earlier this year as well, and there were reports that he wasn't being played because if he played, basically, I think it was like a minimum of 60 minutes in a certain number of games, and then um, I think uh, they had to... Hang on, I'm trying to remember it now. Yeah, but it's yeah, Antoine, you, you might be yeah, help me with this one. It was quite a while yeah, ago. They had to pay a certain fee if he yeah. played a certain amount of matches over right. 60 minutes. So they always subbed him on after the 60th After minute. the 60 minutes, but yeah. the thing there is that's an agreement between two clubs about a player. That's right. What's happening here, it's a club doing that to its own player, a player mm. that's been a good servant of the club, a player that's agreed the contract in good faith with the club. And like Matt said, I'm sure Bruno is not completely in the clear here because he has a history of that. I just want to come to the point that I'm glad it got resolved quickly because, like Matt said, you can't overblow it because it's only been a week and it's over. But eventually, I think we're at the point that we need to stop getting mutual for everything. The A-League needs something like yeah. a release clause. Like mm. if in, in, yeah. Leave the clubs. Don't negotiate with the clubs. Say, if a player is making between this amount and this amount, the release clause to get mutual is this. Between yep. this amount and this amount, just to get started. Then mm. when we're at a more secure position, you can actually negotiate. But it just feels a real amateur hour that both one side or the other side can throw the toys out the pram and say, all right, stuff this contract that we signed for two years, stuff these fans that have invested in you emotionally for these years, see you later. We wonder why fans don't engage. When Have you ever seen, how many times do you see a proper legend of an A-League club get a good farewell? In Adelaide, you barely ever see it. I don't know about other clubs, but talking about Adelaide, think oh, about... I can tell you, it's never happened in Perth. Yeah, it has never happened about, in Perth. Think about how players like Cassio have left, Tarek Elrich have left, Marcelo Karuska ended his career at another club, Eugene Galekovic had to go over to City without getting a proper farewell in Adelaide. This is what fans actually get connected to. Mm. That's what you remember. These mm. people have given so much to the club 
and at the end you just discard years of service because two sides with people representing the clubs at the moment couldn't get along. It's a real, real shame. And yeah. we just do it over the smallest things. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, players that have actually been farewelled properly, uh, Matt Simon, who in the last few weeks, uh, did he send off? Yeah. But then it was ruined, of course, by the weather. Yeah. Um, oh. And remember, uh, literally who else? And remember with Matt Simon, he actually had the whole, you didn't want him moved to yeah, Sydney yeah, business. Yeah, and I was just so, going to make the point of we, we had a proper send off. We had a proper send off with Diego Castro, and he did a lap of HBF Park and was getting mm-hmm. photos and autographs and all that kind of thing. But remember, we had the we had the the controversy where he was in his Mitsubishi yeah. driving out into the middle of the bush, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he didn't didn't want to come to come to play for Glory. So, like as know, a league, we that. need to be much better at this. Yeah. Yeah, the mutual consent stuff. I mean, it's 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 a phrase that is so overused, and it, it comes back probably to a more systemic problem with the fact that we don't have a proper transfer system. Sorry, I used the catchphrase there, Christian, but it is more of a it is more of an issue with the fact that we don't have a proper transfer system, or at least it, for very many years have not had a proper transfer system. So, I mean, that's another conversation of itself. Mini pod not having that conversation, but yeah. you know, yeah. I think I think at the end of the day, blast the blast the heck out of Perth Glory for for the way they're running things but don't blast this current crop of players and don't blame this on Ruben Zadkovic because mm-hmm. it's it's not yeah it's not the so, no it's interesting you bring that up it just I'm came just gonna... off the back of a really good result yeah. in fact the controversy happened and then they went and played a really good result mm. Ruben changed up the system 4-1-4-1 they're playing well now okay you know they're not they're not going <laughs> to magically become this really really good team out of nowhere I understand that but there's potential there right mm-hmm. and there's and there's you know there's a really a group that's starting to gel well together and they look happy together so let's not rain on that parade but by all means the administration of Perth Glory at the moment is is farcical and it needs addressing. Yeah, and I think to tie into something that you mentioned, I want to say on I think the last maybe mini pod, uh, or it was another podcast, can't remember we've done a bit recently, but um around Zakovic and Zakovic being basically a bit of a fall guy and a puppet at the moment. And I think what we've seen today probably does feed into that a little bit because then Zakovic getting questioned about it, him not being at the training session this morning, and you can obviously, you know, Zakovic is focusing on his team getting prepared week on week and all this stuff is probably playing out in the background between Fornaroli and the club. Uh, and who who knows, sometimes coaches are involved in this sort of thing, but maybe Kozakovic is kind of recently appointed and stuff. Maybe he isn't involved in something like this. Maybe he's got an he opinion. The contract, was signed, the contract was signed, what, two, three years ago? He that's what I mean. So, um, yeah. It's, the guy's just been given a very, very bad situation and it's just credit to him that, he survived the last year since he got appointed. But to Matt's point, and, to Matt's point, yeah. Antonis, it, it sucks because that that did feel like a big win for Perth last week. Yeah, yeah okay, no. it's it's only their first win of the season, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of away from home. The Mariners had a good year last year. Um, people would have, I definitely thought the Mariners would have won that game, right? Yeah. But they've kind of battled from behind and won, and yet, bang, here we come now this week on the verge of you know going on another away trip, right? Let's not forget playing out in the background of all of this is the Sterling Macedonia HPF that situation as well. <laughs> right yeah. so it's all yeah it's all but, okay, i was just going to say that with all these situations are situations that ruben and his group of players can't actually control so no, you can no, be exactly, exactly. you can be dragged down by them but at the end of the day they will be judged for this year and for years going onwards on the 90 minutes to play every week and that's all they can do they'll just go mm, on yeah. play 90 Absolutely. minutes it sucks no, it's awful. I, can tell you, I can tell you yeah. um the vibe with certain individuals um that i've sort of been in contact to the, the the vibe with the players and the players alone, 
I'm not sure about Ruben and what they personally think of Ruben, but the players alone, they're they're having an okay time. They 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 are in an okay mood. It's it's not like mm. this Bruno situation has completely torn the team apart and they're going to be getting waxed seven It's just just not yeah. the case. And I'm not saying we're going to we're going to go to Adelaide and win or anything like that, but consider that also because they haven't been in WA, right? They've been in a really intimate intimate setting, getting to know each other and and gelling really well together and, and having these really good training sessions at, at different soccer clubs in in New South Wales where they've where they've been based. So there's still the formula there for them to, to be all right and, and get away from this. But that's that's the football team, right? The administration of the club. Again, I just there there is no other way to describe how much they have royally screwed up every every part of the club, right? And we've spoken about, you know, you get into the history of it, something that I mentioned when we were Christian again, it was when we were talking about the NFL, um NFL, the NPL finals, and I brought up the point that um you know, uh, Perth Glory uh, really of of sort of. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've just completely lost my train of thought. But basically, um, you know that the admin the admin of the club are in a really bad situation, and people are getting uh, really disenfranchised quite heavily from from the club. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, you, you have to understand that there's there's two separate things going on, and there's still there's still a pathway for the club to do okay on the pitch, and there always will be. I mean, you know, when Gold Coast United were were playing in a closed stadium, and and they had all that crap going on with Clive Palmer, that was still a team that was safely in the top six. You know, so I think we we just have to best understand that that people are getting disenfranchised from this club at an alarming rate, and there's a lot to really really dislike about them. But in a football department sense, it's it's not that bad and i just have to say it's very easy when things are going wrong to disconnect from the club but you also have to think about that these people haven't been able to watch their club week in week out consistently for three years that makes Mm. even more disconnected it's only natural so let's give it some time and like i said no judgment on ruben as a coach but for me how he's dealt with these awful awful situations so far that have to do with anything but football it's just a credit team because a lot of people have just said, yep, stuff it. This is obviously a joke. What am I doing here? So good on him for hanging on. Let's see how he plays out. All the best to them. Okay. Um, so we we need to finish up uh, before this mini becomes like an actual proper podcast. I feel like I said that last week as well. But anyway, before we do, I've literally just realized that we've got our Perth contributor and then we've got two guys from Adelaide here and Adelaide are playing Perth <laughs> this weekend. So predictions, Matt. Uh, I'll say 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one, yep. Uh, I'll go nil all, Antonis. 2-1 with United scoring a goal after the 80th minute. Yep. Yeah, no, just, to, always, just to really like ram it home at how, how bad uh, this week has been for Perth. It's just a very, very Adelaide United thing under Carvia to do. Yeah. All right. It is. Um, that's it from us then. Uh, great, uh, great to have you boys on again. And uh, we'll be back for another mini next week.